Thank you for listening. This is Israel Rebound. It's a podcast joining listeners around the world to Israel, exploring the ties that bind us through cultural identity and current events. And for the past several weeks, Liz, my co-host in Jerusalem, and I have been discussing the war in Israel and the massacre that took place on October 7th. Each podcast is really focused on the moves to retrieve, save the hostages and to address the trauma that is taking place in Israel today. And it's difficult for me sitting in California to talk to Liz, who's in the center of this constant trauma. Uh, but I have to say, Liz, you've been very good at helping me see through the positives. Uh, and the negatives are pretty relevant or pretty easy to find. The positives aren't so easy. This would typically be a podcast where we talk about Hanukkah coming up uh, in a week or so and Sufganiyot, but I think Liz, you and I should probably put that on hold. What do you think? Um, I think that, and I'm not sure you intended it that way, but the idea of putting it on hold is very uh, fitting sort of for for how things feel in Israel right now in general, right? Um, Yes. Hanukkah, I guess, is fast approaching, um, but it feels less like leading up to an exciting holiday and more like everything being on hold as we are have now entered the seventh week of uh, of this war. Right. So very, very well put in terms of my address and you're focusing it right on the the key part of it so seven seven weeks of this war uh, i can only imagine the the fatigue that people in israel are going through um i briefly talked about the march that took place from tel aviv to jerusalem over the past several days and the idea of these families demonstrating to to the to the world that they're not, you know, sitting idly by, but that they're marching to Jerusalem to gain more attention. What surprised me, probably shouldn't surprise me, is that it started out as a few thousand people, and by the time they ended up near the Knesset, they had over fifty thousand people that had joined them along the way. It, 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 did you see any of that? Are you following any of the progress of that? I am. Yes, definitely following it. I think that it's to me it's really interesting what you said about that for you it's hard to imagine the fatigue that must be involved in in being here throughout this whole period of war but I'm actually not sure that it isn't more exhausting to not be here right because for us here there's no question that we are 100% all the time in it, right? Like this is life here right now. And we don't have to pretend that it's anything else or, um, yes. Okay. There are certain things you have to do. You have to keep getting the kids to school. You have to go to work. You have to make dinner, but you do all of that with everybody else around you recognizing and being very aware of the situation that you're in. I imagine for for you and others that are outside of Israel, you're holding 
all of that thinking about Israel while also walking around in a world where many people aren't thinking about this, aren't aware of this, right? You go to the supermarket, you go places, and it's not on people's minds. They're getting ready for Thanksgiving. They're getting ready for Christmas, probably already. And and I think that maybe that would be even more exhausting. Well, well, I, um, yeah. I, I will share that it is exhausting because, you know, people like me who are here in the States who are strongly connected to people in Israel following the news on an ongoing basis is exhausting, but it's our way of staying connected to what is taking place in Israel. To your point, um, yeah, the the rest of the world is not viewing this in the same way that we are. So some of the work that I'm doing is combating the, the negativity and the disinformation that's coming out of news media around the world that's basically saying, you know, Israel deserves this. Which is which is unbelievable, um, and trying to educate people around Israel's right to defend itself, and that it was a massacre. There was a an invading army that crossed the border from one one run place to another and attacked people in their homes, and the world just doesn't seem to see it the same way, and that's that's exhausting. And the fact that, to your point, we're seven weeks into this, with still the world not believing. Israel uh, in the way that I believe they should be. The other sort of parallel that I would say to that, in addition to the fact that maybe there is something, you know, less exhausting about being here where more or less everybody, it, you know, understands that we are all in the same situation. Um. There's also a lot of strength that comes from that and seeing how much of a desire there is to to help one another and to take care of one another. And I think those are really the things that are keeping people going because, you know, seven weeks, it's too long to still be running on adrenaline, right? Like the, the first part of a war you can get through because... You have no choice and your body just somehow does it, but it can't do that indefinitely. And if it weren't for the fact that people have found other sources of strength, other ways to keep going, including the families of the hostages who have found ways to make their voices heard, right? They had the movement of sleeping in the tents and now this march, that's all you know, part of this effort to, yes, keep going, to, yes, try and do something positive, something proactive, um, both for, for themselves and them, their families and for, for the others. I actually heard a gentleman on the news this evening who is from, he's a survivor from Kibbutz Levi and had three members of his family killed on October 7th and has another seven members of his extended family who are presumed to be uh, held hostage in Gaza. And he was saying that even if, and maybe we'll talk about this in a few minutes, that there are some rumors and possibilities that maybe we're getting closer to some kind of a negotiated ceasefire and partial hostage return, 
Uh, but he was saying that even if all of his family members somehow miraculously are returned in the short term, he will continue with this uh, protest and making his voice heard for until all of the hostages are home. And I think they really, you know, feel like one big family now, as does all of Israel in certain ways. And so, so that sentiment is another one of the things that I think are pe- giving people strength and and keeping people going. I I agree a hundred percent with you. And I was watching the same interview uh, earlier today, and you were watching it at night. I was mm-hmm. watching it in the morning, and it just it it shows the power of the collective responsibility that Israelis feel towards each other, uh, and the value of saving all the lives possible that uh, can be saved in of the hostages in in gaza what what is striking to me is the world and I, I, i'm sorry if i belabor this but the world has kind of forgotten about the hostages and are only commenting on the um the effort that israel is place is putting on gaza to release them through as well as the try the elimination of Hamas. I mean, so you've got this challenge from my perspective that the world just doesn't really care anymore about what Israel's trying to do to save the hostages and to minimize a future conflict with Hamas and just focusing on what is considered a human humanitarian issue, which is definitely existing in in Gaza, but it wasn't imposed on by Israel. The humanitarian issue in Gaza is because of how Hamas has marginalized its people over the years. And the type of warfare in which they have chosen to engage, right? The whole concept of using uh, an urban populace as a human shield and, you know, carrying out one's military actions from within crowded cities, from schools, from hospitals. I mean, that was a choice. That was a choice that Hamas made. They didn't build military bases in different locations away from, you know, city centers. They picked a certain kind of warfare, and that is what has led to the even more severe humanitarian crisis than perhaps there would be if, you know, if Hamas had cared to do it differently. Right. So my, my fatigue that I mentioned a second ago was following the international media and not holding Hamas responsible for putting their rockets and their command centers under mosques, under hospitals, under schools, in playgrounds. The international media is not looking at that as problematic. Um, and that's where my fatigue is coming from, uh, because I try to follow all of all of the reports pos- you know, on multiple sides of this conflict, and I'm not seeing balance from the international media. And then I'm including Which, those in America. Yeah. I'm including American, yeah. those European and um, Middle Eastern news agencies. Which, you know, on the one hand, isn't new, right? We we know that the media has been very unbalanced for a very long time. The question is, how much will it matter now when Israel needs to a certain extent, you know, some international support in order to keep uh, moving ahead in this very clear targeted campaign for the two goals that you mentioned, right? Return of the hostages and the elimination of Hamas as a threat. 
Um, and, and we don't know when the, the scales will tip, right? When will international pressure be such that maybe Israel won't be able to continue with its, you know, stated military goals? Um, and what will happen, you know, how far along will we be when that happens? Nobody knows. I think and in the message that Israel is saying, you know, humanitarian on both sides, free the hostages and, you know, humanitarian aid will flow more rapidly, although humanitarian aid is flowing into Gaza, uh, whether or not it's being you know, distributed to the people that need it or it's being confiscated again by other sources. But Israel has pretty much from the beginning worked with the international aid services to provide whatever they can provide. But let's not forget, Egypt is also a neighbor of Gaza and can be doing more than it can be doing. We could we could go on and on and on about this. I think that you started the conversation by saying that we are in the middle of a, a negotiation to free some of the hostages, and that this week, hopefully, we will see the release of all of them, and then you and I can have a different conversation next week. Uh, then we can talk about Hanukkah. No, but you you know you ended our talk the other day about there has to be some light for us to hold on to in the in a, a positive way of looking at the future for Israel and and the Jewish people and and Hanukkah sometimes is that symbol and it's and it's it's hopefully that we can celebrate that appropriately this coming year with the release of the hostages and the secession of the war with Hamas. Amen. Should we end on that note, Ms. Feldstern? I I'm I think so, because I don't think there's more than we can say than that hope and prayer that, in fact, all the hostages will be home and we'll be able to celebrate with them and their families um, as soon as possible. So on that note, thank you, Liz, for taking time today to to brief us on Israel Rebound. Um, and uh, thank you, listeners, for listening to us. And this has been Israel, Israel Rebound. And look for us again next week. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, everyone.